I mean, my last message on this series on the missions that we're going to be talking about, and we've been looking at the book of Philippians. I have read, um, uh, let me grab my Bible, Philippians chapter 3. I have read uh, chapter 4 already, and I, and, and I tell you what, there are many messages. This, we could do this all year. I Trust me. When I go through the verse, oh, well, not for now, because there are so, there's so much um, uh, um, richness in God's Word that we could take line by line and pretty much cover one book for a couple years and get a lot of wealth to it because the Word of God is power-packed, not just with information, but life-changing, life-changing experiences, life-changing revelation. I like what Pastor Dustin said, that the promises of God are yes and amen. I think when we sing those songs, when we sing that song, I'm thinking about that verse, that when Jesus says yes, nobody can say no. You know, there are many things that Jesus is saying yes in my life, you know, and I'm stamping that. The Bible says nobody can curse who God calls blessed. Amen and amen. So there is so much there. So I'm giving the disclosure just if something speaks to you that I don't touch on today because I will read about 15 verses. That's okay. Yeah, then the Lord spoke to you about it and you expound it yourself. Go back and read your Bible and let God speak to you. The title of my message today is called The Greatest, The Greater Kingdom. Say, The Greater Kingdom. Say that with me. All right, let's do it again. The Greater Kingdom. That's the subtitle today. I want to remind all of us this morning, if you are in Jesus Christ, you have a part of the kingdom of God. You are part not only of the family of God, but you are part of a kingdom. You are part of a kingdom that supersedes all the kingdoms of the earth throughout history. You are part of a kingdom that has no beginning and has no end. You are part of a kingdom whose God is the king. Jesus is the king of the kingdom. And, 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 and there's another uh, uh, example the Bible uses for us to kind of get a picture of it. One, one part of the Bible, it says that we are Christ's ambassadors. That we, we, we walk in this world, but we need to live in such a way as we are ambassadors. We represent something. This world is not our home. And I thank God that it isn't. I've been around many places in this world and you find, see the same problems, some differently, come out in different ways, but it's the same problems. And I tell you, if you start looking at the problems of the world, you can get your head to hurt. You can, you can, you can check yourself in for clinical depression because there's a lot of scary stuff out there. But I thank God because I came to Christ. I'm now, I'm a part of a kingdom that is greater. I'm a part of a kingdom that is everlasting. I'm a part of a kingdom that uh, will, will, will be here after everything is gone. The Bible says that the whole earth will pass away, but God's word will always stand. I want to be a part of that thing that lasts from everlasting to everlasting. Can I get an amen? So I want us to remind, in light of what's going on, you know, we had an election. Thank God for the elections. Thank God that we get to select the leaders. And sometimes some people pray, and it's so funny, and it saddens my heart because I see Christians as a pastor, as a, as a shepherd. I see people from both sides, and, and I see people getting upset, and I see people getting happy, and that's all good. But sometimes the thing that saddens my heart is when we as believers sometimes act the same way as non-believers. When our way of dealing with things are the same way. When, 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 when the... When the Non-believers set the tone for our conversations. What actually is discussed in our tables. When non-believers set the tone of our thought pattern. 
And we spend time and time again as if we are people who do not know God. As we, and, and the Bible speaks of it. And it takes one of, the, one, of the, one of the harshest things that one could go through in life. And ultimately, really, it's not just sickness, it's, it's death, you know. We fear death. If you, you thought you are going to be hit by a truck going out of here, you will change your direction. Yeah, I know you want to be in heaven with Jesus. But if you are told when you go off all Cheney there, you're going to be hit by a truck, you will go to Pioneers. If that's closed, you will be breaking traffic laws because you will avoid it at all costs. You know it. I know I want to be in heaven with Jesus forever. But when you get that, you know. But the law says that even in death, it says we should not mourn as those who have no hope. We should not live as if this is it. Why? Because we have a hope. Because we are part of a greater kingdom. And so no matter what happens in our world, we should live like ambassadors that represents really the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the God of glory. Amen? So let's go to the Bible uh, today and just start with verse 1. And uh, as I talk about death, I, uh, our heart goes out to, to Linda, and uh, who last had a dad this week. We pray for your family and uh, be, be strengthened. It's good to see you here. So God bless you. God bless you. Uh, it says here, Paul goes in, uh, in verse 1 and says, Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord and never get tired of telling, I never get tired of telling you these things and, and I do it to safeguard your faith. So he is starting with his opening statements and I will kind of read along and, and make my points as we go along, okay? It will be better that way, I think, today. Um, uh, <clears throat> he's setting the tone and says, hey, the basis your attitude should always be that of rejoicing, no matter what happens. If good things happen to you, you should rejoice in the Lord. If bad things happen to you, you should. But ultimately, it says, I, I keep saying the same things. I wrote you another letter. I, did, I keep repeating myself here. And I don't get tired of repeating myself because what I'm interested in is safeguarding your faith. He says, what's out for those dogs? Wow. The Bible can be really brutal sometimes. Those people who do evil. Those who, mutilators who say to you, you must be circumcised to be saved. Let me contextualize this. What was happening at this time? Christianity began in Jerusalem. The move of the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost, was in Jerusalem. And believers, most of the first believers were all Jewish people. And so somehow, some way, the gospel started spreading just as God had uh, uh, predicted for it. And so non-Jewish people, the Gentiles, were coming to faith in Christ. And so what was happening in this time, there was kind of uh, all these people that have kept the laws of the Lord through the Jewish tradition and how they had known God through this. They were Jewish believers and Gentiles believers. And so what ended up happening, people, when you get people around, they mess things up. They started creating classes of believers. That you are saved, but because you are Gentile, and in your tradition, there's no circumcision, you know, that was commanded by God from Abraham way back then, you know. So they were like, hey, second-class believers almost. And Paul was really upset with this. He says, hey, faith in Christ doesn't depend. 
get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Faith in Christ doesn't depend on the works of the law. There's much more than that to faith. And so he's getting upset and says, hey, so people are getting discouraged. And I, and I, and I, and I, and I, and I think I, I want to pause a little bit. There's something about us, about the humanness, about uh, the, we always try to create some type of a separation and distinguish people. I watch a little bit of TV and watching elections and uh, pre-elections uh, ripple effect. And the thing that saddened me is when, isn't it funny though? I, I'm, just, I'm, going, I'm going there. I look at your neighbor and says, he's going there. <laughs> well, this, there's nothing that drives me crazy as this. When we start looking at people and grouping them in classes, in races, socioeconomic class, in uh, education, in uh, name him, gender, it's like, well, Hispanics vote this way. Black America vote this way. Asians vote this way. White class, working class vote this way. Educate. Right there. They are separating us by classes. And they plant seeds of discord. And so now, I'm trying to look at a person based on the definition that's been given to me. Whether they're Republicans or Democrats, what I do know is that most of them all love America. Their vision and approach of what America should be could be different, but they all love America. This church is getting really quiet because I know some of you have had those debates. And, and I'll go there a little bit. And the reason I say this is because the body of Jesus Christ should be absolutely different. And I thank God in this room it is different. I thank God in this room because I've talked to people that have different opinions and different approaches. But again, we are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And that comes first above everything. And we cannot allow the world, the intrusion of the world system to cripple into the church and our thinking. We have, there is a greater kingdom. There is a better way. There is a better way. I said that. And the world does not know it because they don't know of the great sister, of the great kingdom. But you and I do. You and I do. And we need to live as such as this is great. I am so thankful. But God is greater. He's greater above our differences. He's greater. He's way above. And so, so he's saying here, I don't want any kinds of separation. There is no such thing as second-class believer. Be aware of those dogs, he says, those evildoers, those people that are setting you in groupings. So do you always look at people with a definition that God doesn't look like at all? He doesn't look at it at all. Can I tell you about a guy who grew up in Kenya? Because uh, where 90% of the population is the same race. Guess what? 2008, um, uh, there was an election there. That turned really, re- 2007, December, so it crippled into 2008. It was horrible. It was horrible. Because what ended up happening is it was, it was a close, close election. 
closest that they've ever had. And it was a young democracy and uh, very, a lot of holes in the constitution because it hadn't really come into maturity. It was a very young democracy. And people did not know how to handle an, uh, an election with 20-some million people voting and uh, you only have a difference of 100,000 votes that separated. Other elections prior to that were landslides. There was no dispute as to who the clear winner was. And what ended up happening, you know what they grouped in? Tribes. Oh, this tribe voted for this guy, the bad guy. And this tribe voted for this guy, the good guy. And that went on. And by, in two months, 1,200 people had died. Half a million people had been displaced from their home, native home, afraid to ever go back. The people that were leading the country and they were fighting, their kids were friends with each other. They went to each other's graduations in their personal lives. But it tells me the problem was never, ever, ever about race. It was never, never, ever about all the divisions that people had, had created. It's always the same as it always has been. S-I-N. Sin. If we all agree, we'll find something else. But I want to say it just as plainly as I can. There is a better way. There is a greater kingdom. And if we, the body of Jesus Christ, cannot show it, not by what we say, but by who we are and how we live, the world will never see it. Because they only see Jesus through us. I'm glad I'm part of the greater kingdom. Because the first time, whenever I meet a person, I don't think about who they are, where they came from, what their background is, what their socioeconomic status is. I see a person. And they say, oh, don't be colorblind. God's not colorblind. I know that I'm a black Kenyan with a weird name. What's your name? Uh, Let me spell. I, I always have to spell my name out. I don't spare them the, you know, spare them the trouble. I could get upset with that. But sometimes, you, you see what I'm saying? And I could be very miserable because of it. But guess what? My identity is not even in my Kenyanness. My identity, I discovered this when I was 16 years old. That John chapter 1, going down the street, talks about in the beginning, there was a word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And it goes on to say how nothing was ever created except through him. He came to his own. His own did not receive. The word became what? Flesh and dwelt among us. He died for our sins. In verse 12, he says, But as many who received him, to them he gave them rights to become the children of God. Every single individual 
living in this planet, seven and a half billion people, they are all people of God. The earth is the Lord's and its fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell upon it. It's all God. They are all God's people. The coolest people, the nicest people, the mean people, the horrible people, they are all God's people. He died for all of them. But there is a difference. As many who received him, to them he gave him the rights to become the children of God. So there is a transaction that goes on. You're converted from just being a people of God to a child of God. An entry into a greater kingdom. Never changed since day one. See, when that happened, and I realized who I am in Christ, never looked for anyone, anyone, I mean anyone, to affect how I view myself. To affect what my future is. Because no one can. No one can. Not you. Not meanest person out there. Because I found out who I am. And the one that validates who I am is Jesus Christ. You can look at me. You can have all judges. You can do whatever you want. You can live. It won't change that part of me. I was talking to a pastor. I said, you know, I'm not a pastor. I'm a son of God first. And God called me to do the work of the ministry. I never even planned to be a pastor. I just became a son of God. And when God gave me an assignment, I said, yes, God. Here I am at your service. I signed up to come to Lincoln for two years. Came back, third year, went back to Kenya. We had a ministry all lined up. We were going to move, selling our house and moving. And God says, ah, I sent you to Lincoln. I didn't tell you when to leave. You said two years. I didn't. But you know what? I fell in love with Lincoln. I fell in love with America. I fell in love. I started to love the city where God placed me. And gave me a different passion. And I saw things differently. When I worked, I I saw things differently. When I did my business, I met people differently. I saw myself as a missionary everywhere I go. This week I talked to somebody (laughs) in the church that we, our path crossed maybe, maybe 10 years ago. And I was working for a bank. We didn't know each other. And she and, and, and saw some whatever. She reminded me, said, you know what? You ministered to me. You were there. You came in and, uh, and you, and uh, I was in a bad place myself at the time. And I needed help. And you stepped right out to your office and you came and, and you encouraged me. And you don't know how that meant. And then later, the Lord will bring our paths together. He goes, wow, that many years ago, God was using, God was still doing his work. I was working for a secular job, but God was still using our path. We would know that we would end up becoming sisters and brothers in the, in the Lord. Who does that? The Lord does. There is a greater kingdom. We have a purpose. We have been called to a mission. And Paul is calling out these people that say, hey, 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 you need to stop it. Don't create these divisions among you. 
Here's how you get your salvation. It's faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what I'm going to preach and I'm going to protect that. I'm going to repeat myself over and over again to say the same things again because I want your faith to be protected because it's in faith that we walk with Christ. It's in faith that we receive salvation. It's salvation comes through faith. It's grace alone, but it's through faith. I am a child of God. You say that with, uh, with me. I am a child of God. It doesn't matter what country God places you in. Whether it's your own native country or he sends you overseas, you go there as a child of God. We walk the planet to, to extend the kingdom of God. We have been given assignment to bring people to Jesus Christ. So people will demand certain standards. You can't be my friend unless you subscribe to this and this and that. You really don't live up to be because how can you be a Christian? That's the worst thing I've ever seen. People, How can you be a Christian and do this or say this? So when we want, when we are in trouble... We want God to deal with us in the most amazing of mercies. We want God to overlook all of our weaknesses, all of our flaws. We want God to forgive us and to accept us and to love us unconditionally. Oh, ho, ho. but we don't extend that back. We want you to be at your top behavior with your right process before you accept it by us. I said, there is a better way. There is a higher kingdom. And we are the people of the kingdom. So verse 3. I don't know if I'll finish these verses. He says, for we who, we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort. If anyone could. Indeed, I, if, indeed, if others have reason to be confident of their own efforts, I even more. But I put my confidence in God. I don't put my confidence in people. Because people, even the best of them, will disappoint you. They will disappoint you. The same people that were praising Jesus, taking off their uh, their clothes and riding on the donkey, oh, King Jesus, and they were all the same. Are we clear that the same people that persecuted him? They crucified him. Many verses talk about this. Jeremiah 17, 5 says that the Lord, he says, cast is the man who puts confidence in man. Psalm 118, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Micah says, trust ye not a friend. Put ye no confidence in a guide or a person. That whole thing. Why? Because our faith and our hope and our trust is in the Lord. The psalmist said that some may trust in horses, others in chariots, but we choose to put our trust in the name of the Lord our God. In our families, in our children, in our finances, in our health, in our communities, anything we want to do, our trust has to be in Him. The future of our children, what kind of a person, what kind of a man or a woman they grow up to be, is not dependent on what goes on in the White House. It's dependent on what goes on in your house. It depends on what goes on in our schools, in our communities. It depends on what goes on in our neighborhoods. That's, who, that's where the real power is. That's where the real change. I don't look. I'm, I'm, I'm taking a rabbit trail. I don't think, there's no celebrity, whether they're believers or not believers, that I accept them to be role models for my children. I'm transferring that responsibility to the wrong people when I expect that. 
So what happens when they fall? Now you've got to explain it to your children. Hey, Junior, wait a minute, let's have a talk. You know the role model? There is a greater kingdom, and it lives inside of us. We need to walk with our head high and know that God has anointed us, anointed us to affect change in our communities, affected us, anointed us to affect change in our families and the people around us. We have to wear that in our hearts and believe it and put confidence in the Lord's anointing. So Paul goes on to describe, I'm going to skip a few verses, verse 5, 6, and 7. He goes on and outlines his credentials and what he can be proud about. And he says, you know, if I was to kind of put confidence in my, my adherence, my, my, my ability to keep the law, I'm spotless. I have been a Pharisee of the Pharisee. I have kept all the laws of the Lord. I have kept it to the T. And he goes, at the end, he comes to a conclusion. He says, I take all those qualifications and the credentials that I have, and they all, I count them as rubbish when I compare them to the excellent value of knowing Jesus Christ. Because all this stuff is awesome. And I can really shine in pointing out how qualified I am. But when I found Christ, they were about this low. The gap was so huge. I counted them as rubbish in comparison to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I said there's a better, better kingdom. There's a greater kingdom. So he says his desire, verse 9, and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I have become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's ways of making us right with himself depends on our faith. You know, he opened the, ver- the, uh, the chapter by saying, that's what I want to protect. What is it that he wants to protect the most? Our faith. He says, that's what I want to do. I want to protect your faith. That's why I keep repeating myself. Because I want to protect. Because everything in God is dependent on that. Faith, faith in God, because we have a higher calling. Because even I'm willing to suffer if I had to for this. Verse 12, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved. So he's making a disclosure, okay, that even at this point I'm still not perfect. I have not achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. But what I do is that I press on to possess the, perfect, the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race, receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Paul is saying here, Christ began a new work in you. You see, it says when you are in Christ, you are new creations. All things, all things have passed away and all things have become new. You know what I see sometimes going on? Is that sometimes we like to bring the past so much that it fogs our present and lose sight of what God is doing right now. And Paul says, I have learned this because if I keep dwelling in the past, I'm dragging with me stuff that God already took care of. And I'm missing right now. I'm losing sight of what God is doing. And so what I do, I press. I know what 
backwards, but I'm not dwelling there. I'm pressing on to reach the goal that Christ Jesus has for me. I'm not looking in the past. I know the past affected me. I know I'm a product of the past. I said this in the class this morning. But I don't have to be a slave of the past because I'm pressing forward to the goal because I'm in Christ. I'm going forward. God has never wanted us to look back. Sodom and Gomorrah. But God decides to destroy the city of how horrible he'd had gotten. And Abraham, who was God's man, a man of faith, his nephew um, was living there. And God was going to spare Lord and his his family. When the angel comes to tell them to run away, because the city is going to be destroyed, the Lord tells tells, uh, uh, Lot, I says, whatever you do, don't look back. You keep going ahead. No matter what, you hear bombs, you hear what, you hear whatever behind it, don't look back. You keep pressing ahead. And they keep going. And the things start blowing up, you know. And, and uh, guess what Lot's wife does? She looks back. And that's the last we had about her. Well, I guess they, she was referenced in the New Testament. But that was the end of her. And life went on. Sometimes, God is wanting to do a new work in you. But you're so holding back to the past that you can never see the goodness of God in, in front of you. And so we end up having the past drag us and losing sight of what God's doing right now, what God's doing in my generation, what God's doing to my future generations. What am I doing to create in my children, in those that are younger than I, What am I doing to contribute to helping them so that they are not enslaved to the past, but they can be all that they can be? That nothing limits them because when you're in Christ, you said you are a new creation. You can leave the past behind and have nothing limit you because God is with you. Why are we creating limits on on children that you can't ever go this because there is someone that's stronger that will keep you from going there? That is a lie from the pit of hell. When you are a child of God, nothing can hinder you. Even if you're in slavery, even if you're in bondage. Paul was in prison writing this letter. But he had so much hope. He had so much faith. He had so much joy. He was chained in the physical, but he was free in his spirit. Because he had found Jesus. And the new, and he says, everything else I had, even getting in prison because of Christ, I says, I thought at the end of the day, if they, you take me, you take my life, that's fine. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain even. You take my life, I'm going to be with Jesus forever, I have nothing to worry about. But if you keep me free, I'm going to tell everybody about this Jesus because I want them to have a new life like I have discovered. He says, I forget the past. And I press on towards the goal that Jesus has for me. One of the most powerful things that we can exercise, that no one can exercise for us, is a thing called forgiveness. Because when someone owes you, they owe you. But forgiveness is one of the hardest things to ever do, especially when the offender keeps offending. And forgive if you quit doing, hurting me more and more. But it's harder to forgive when the offender keeps punching that. The disciples came to Jesus and said, you know, 
So I know, I, you know, you know I, we always have an agenda when we have questions. We always have an agenda. And I've had many conversations with people. I love conversations with people, and sometimes I love conversations too much. But when people ask questions, there's always sometimes something behind the question, an experience or a validation of an argument that they were supposed to have an upper hand on, and so they want to say, hey, I've always been right, and I always tell my wife that I'm right, but she never listens to me. But now I'm going to get someone else to agree with me, so I can, you know. So someone comes to Jesus and says, Lord, you know, I, I got a question for you. How many times is it right to forgive? He said, forgive always. He says, well, but what if the person that you forgave came back to you? You know, the person that's saying that, you know they've experienced something. And they're just wanting Jesus to say, you know what, you're cool. They've done it five times. They're the problem, not you. You're cool. And what did Jesus tell them? Uh, Seventy times seven on the same crime. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's tough, isn't it? But then you tie to this thing very, very powerfully that Jesus has said before in the Beatitudes. When he's talking about give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will man pour it into your bosom. Measure you use will be measured back to you. That's Luke 6, 38. Before 38, the earlier verses, he's talking about the thing of forgiveness. He's talking about how if you don't forgive others, the Lord will not forgive you. Oh, that's tough. That's tough. But I think the reason why is not that God is insensitive. In Hebrews, he says, we have a high priest who identifies with our weaknesses. I just cited John chapter 1. It talks, he, he, he became flesh. The one became flesh and dwelt among us. He went through the things that we go through. He went through the thing called rejection. He went, was betrayed. He was framed. He, he went through all sorts of things. And he identifies with our weaknesses. And he says, I know, I know what you're going through. I understand that. But why does he tell us that? To forgive. Oh, I will forget, but I will never forget. Great statement. But Jesus, God says to us, he says when he forgives us, he says into the sea of forgetfulness, I will throw all of your sins. He cast our sins. When we repent, when we come to him, when we ask for his forgiveness, God Almighty, the omniscient one, the all-knowing, it is impossible for God to forgive, to forget. I forget a lot of stuff. This week was one of those forgetful stuff, and I realized I probably didn't sleep a lot. I just forget what I started saying 10 minutes ago. They say, you're getting old. I don't believe it. But God Almighty, you think God forgets? No, he does not. He's omniscient. He says, I'm taking your sin, but I, I'm going to throw it away into the sea of forgetfulness. Our minds fail 
God does not. I believe that he does that for us. He causes all things to work for our good. Because when you don't forgive and release people, it hinders you. And God doesn't want you to be hindered. He wants you to believe in the freedom that he afforded you on the cross. Because it was for freedom that Christ has set us free, that no longer should we be subject to the yoke of slavery. He wants us to be free because he who the Son has set free is free indeed. He wants that in our lives. He wants that for us. Because that, he says, so don't live in the past. Live in the present and look forward for the future. I have faith for today and I have hope for tomorrow because if God is for me, who can be against me? There is a greater kingdom. It lives inside of us. You start seeing yourself the way God sees you. You start accepting just who you are. You don't need to be validated by anyone, anyone, to fulfill who you are. Oppositions will come absolutely from every direction. Some will not be happy to see you succeed. Some will cheer you on along the way. Some will sabotage you because they want what you have. It doesn't matter. Those, that's to be expected. But you stay steady. You stay focused like Peter was uh, during that uh, the storm where things were going away. And as long as he set his eyes on Jesus, everything was going well. When he set his eyes off, he started to sink. You keep your eyes forward, looking at the price, Jesus Christ. Verse 15. Let all who are spiritual mature agree on these things. If you disagree at some point, I believe that God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress that we have already made. Can I speak on the issue of race? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say, Pastor, don't go there. Nobody. Okay. As a minority, double, triple minority. I can put, if I started identifying myself as a minority, I probably have probably five different minority traits that I can have. How many would agree so far? But I don't look at myself as a minority. I just look at myself as myself. And that, if I start placing that label on myself, I will not be able to stand. I'll be like, all I want to do is go back to Kenya. I remember when I moved here, when it was the first year I was here, I was driving on 84th Street when 84th was out in the country. And it just hits me for a moment. Because we didn't have like, I didn't even have a cell phone. You know, it wasn't like you could text, right? Now it's changed so much. I keep watch, watching the same game with my brother in Kenya and we'll be like, hey, did you see that goal? You know, it's changed a lot, you know? But I'm driving on 84th and it was all cornfields. And it just hit me, and I'm thinking, I've always loved geography from the time I was a little kid. In, on the atlas, where my family, I didn't have any family here, except for an uncle out in Omaha, I think, some uncle. But I thought, wow, my family is so far away. And it just hits me how far you are from your family. You know, you can, you can really feel sad. And uh, it just that moment sinks in. And my biggest fear was always that I would get a call in the middle of the night and uh, something happened because the calls were so expensive. They, they didn't come 
that often, you kind of kept on emails more. And so I'll get a call in the middle of the night. I always, my, my heart was sinking, thinking, what's the news? Is it no news? Is good news. Did I say that? And sometimes it's just the funniest thing. They just forgot the time difference. I'll get a call in the middle of the night, and a brother just wants to talk. I'm like, you woke me up to tell me what? That you had a good coffee, a cup of coffee? Seriously, you know, but my heart at first, you know, that, that four, it's like, oh, shoot, I forgot. There's a nine-hour time difference. Great, thanks a lot. But if you read through the scripture, the Bible happens in several continents. It happens in the Middle East area, in Asia, in Africa, in Europe. Love the stuff that, and if you combine all the continents, 80% of the population of the four subcontinents that are connected, 80% of the world population lives there. Okay? And you never read about race ever in the Bible. Ever. Not one place. It talks of nationalities. It says a man from Syria, a man from Egypt, a man from Rome, a man from... It references nationalities, but it never references race. And most historical texts up until much, much, much later does it ever distinguish people that way. But the people from those countries always had different features. But it was never an issue. I'm saying this, it was created. And it's still being created. And as God's people, we need to be above that. So that we are blind, we need to appreciate the diversity that God has in us and celebrate it. And I love our church. I really do. I really do. Because it's, it's amazing because I, I, you're people from all backgrounds, people from all walks of life, people from all academic levels. But you know what? We are all under the same Lord because we belong to a greater kingdom. And the world cannot figure out how to do that. You know why they can't figure out? They don't belong to a greater kingdom. Guess who tells them about the greater kingdom? Oh, you guess you guys are so shy, and I know you're not normally that shy. Guess who tells them about the greater kingdom? We do. It is us. And sometimes we are trained to think little. Did we get that video I posted? Okay. And, and, and sometimes we are trained in our minds to think little about the church the kingdom of God on earth. We belong to something greater. And sometimes, you know, because we are hearing the wrong voices a lot and we're trying to listen to the wrong voices, sometimes we forget who we are. I like this pastor that was talking about describing uh, what he does. Uh, it's kind of funny at the same time. It kind of gives us some perspective. I want you to watch this video. People often say to me, they say, J. John, you know, what, what do you do? And it's always very difficult to know what to say. Because if I say to you that I'm a reverend, which I am, that conjures up certain images in people's minds as to what I might be. So I like to be a little bit creative in telling people what I do. I sat next to this lady on an aeroplane at Heathrow Airport. And I said, hello. And she said, oh, hello. And I said, where are you going? And she says, I'm going to Singapore. Then she said to me, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Australia. I said, what do you do? So she told me. Then she said, what do you do? And I said, 
Well, <laughs> I work for a global enterprise. She said, do you? I said, yes, I do. I said, we've got outlets in nearly every country of the world. She said, have you? I said, yes, we have. I said, we've got hospitals and hospices and homeless shelters. I said, we do marriage work. We've got orphanages. We've got feeding programs, educational programs. I said, we do all sorts of justice and reconciliation things. I said, basically, we look after people from birth to death and we deal in the area of behavioural alteration. <laughs> She went, wow! And it was so loud, her wow, loads of people turned around and looked at us. She says, what's it called? I said, it's called the church. Isn't it? If we are a follower of Jesus, wow. then we are part of a global Absolutely. enterprise. But not only is it global, it's intergalactic because it includes everyone that's gone before us. Wow. <laughs>
You did not leave us as often, so God, but you send us a helper, a comforter, a friend, the Holy Spirit who said, you said, will be with us always, who will teach us the truth, who will empower us to be witnesses for you, God. And I pray right now that you will breathe a fresh touch of your Holy Spirit in the church, oh God. You said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And we pray this prayer, God. That you will breathe upon us, O God, the wind of your spirit, O God. That we walk as the people of God. And not orphans on planet earth, O God, but those who have a savior. Those who have a helper. Those who have the Holy Spirit. I pray for pastors and churches across this country. Lord, we've had an election and a lot of weight's been put on the people. We thank you, Lord, for the peaceful process. We thank you. For the country that has transferred power 45 times in modern history, oh God. We thank you for such a blessing to be able to be a part of it. The results don't always go for everyone the way we hoped or desires. But we are looking at the greater thing. That you've preserved this nation. You've preserved us, oh God, as a beacon in the world. You've preserved us, oh God... And you preserved your people. Everywhere your people go, you always watch over them, no matter what happens. And I pray today that you will unite your people like never before. All the issues in the world that cause people to fear, that cause people uh, to even have confidence in man. All the issues that we cannot solve, we know the answer. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And we pray in the name of Jesus that you will empower us. You will empower the church. That the church will rise from every corner of this country. From Maine, oh God, to Hawaii, oh God. From the west to the east, oh God. That there will be a wave of your spirit. And that the body of Christ will rise until we see godliness in this nation and still we see children living in freedom and see we see people coming to Christ and see we see families being restored until we see oh God your kingdom come and your will being done God thank you for the next years that come by that you will help us to reach our world like never before God with the light of Jesus Christ we thank and we honor you God in Jesus name come on give him a clap offering he's worthy he's worthy He's worthy to be praised. We're going to continue to worship the Lord with some songs of worship and praise. I want us to just kind of open our hearts to Him and give Him glory. Okay, I know these guys love to worship. They can't worship for you. Like I said, they can't forgive for you. They also can't worship for you. So they're going to lead us with songs. But we individually have to worship the King. The king of our kingdom. Amen. So I'm going to encourage everyone to, to, to join in. Let your heart just bring love and grace to the Lord. Amen. Can we sing this song together? Amen. All I want is you. Because you have changed my life. And I am new. Because you died for me, I'll live for you. Because you died for me, 
It's in you alone, in you alone, that we are who we are, oh my God. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song, this cornerstone. This solid ground, firm through the fiercest storm, in nights of love, what depths of peace, what fears are stilled, what striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe, the gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on the cross, as Jesus died, the death of Christ I live there in the ground his body lay light of the world by darkness slain then bursting forth in glorious day up from the grave he rose again and as he since curse has lost its grip on me for I am his and he is mine bound with the precious blood of Christ on Christ the solid rock I stand all of the ground is sinking sand all Oh, 
First cry to final breath. Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. No power of hell, no scheme of pain can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I'll stand till he returns or calls me home. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It is in your power, oh my God. Thank you, Lord. Thank when we, you, Lord. When we were God. singing that Thank you, second uh, to last verse, yes, yes, uh, um, the chapter, I guess, I, I don't know what you call it. I'm not a musician. <laughs> but it's the one about us belonging to Christ. Could you go back to that? I just felt a wave of the Holy Spirit just uh, singing that part. Um, uh, that one. I want us to sing this. You know the value, what I just read from Paul. When he looked at everything he had achieved in his life. And he likened it or compared it, if you would, with the value of knowing Christ. He concluded that all achievements was rubbish. Not that it was bad. It was, he had some really good stuff going on for him. And I'm saying this because I felt sometimes we need to allow the Holy Spirit to, to, to speak into our, allow him to speak into our soul and our spirit of whom we belong to. And, there's, and I just felt a, a sense of the Lord's presence as I was singing that verse. And I want to dwell a little bit there because I believe God is wanting to do something in our hearts this morning. Can we do that verse again? No guilt in life, no fear of death. This is the power of Christ in me from life first to final prayer Jesus commands my destiny no power of hell no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his mind till he returns or calls me home the power of Christ until he returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ I stand no power of hell no 
פוסקים עוד מעט, כנב הפרט מפרומיס Till he returns or calls me home Here in the power of Christ I stand Hallelujah, Lord We worship you, Lord We worship you, Lord Come on, join your voices with me Let's lift him up Let's sing a song of praise to him He alone is worthy Our King, our Redeemer Our Lord We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want us to, I want us to turn the music off for a second. I want us to just lift a song from our hearts to the Lord. The Bible says in Revelation, it talks about that end, that end, that last day on the king when we're united with him. As it says, men from every nation and every tongue and every tribe will stand before his throne and declare and worshiping him, declaring that holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is filled with his glory. I want us to stand the music off for a moment. I want us to just close our, our eyes in reverence of his presence in this place. But with unified voices, unified voices, let's begin to just declare his praises from our hearts with songs, with declarations, with prayers of who he is. Hallelujah. We worship you. We worship you, Lord. We love you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord. We worship you, living God. There is no one else like you, Lord. Holy, holy, holy are you, God. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. The one who was, the one who is, and the one that is to come. We bring our worship. We bring songs of adoration. We bring songs of praise. From our hearts to your heart, oh God. Worthy, worthy, worthy are you, God. Oh, Christ, the solid rock, 
Hallelujah. Give him a shout of praise, a clap offering. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Isn't God good? He's so good. He's so good. I tell you, we can't put any hope in anything else. We have the greater kingdom. We belong to the greater kingdom. And we are the light. We're going to take our offering right now. If the ashes will bring um, uh, the plates around, it's going to pass by you here. You know, God is so faithful, um, even with our finances. Last week I heard from Kara, she gave our testimonies. I had several testimonies this week, and I probably will share more testimony. But I, I'll say even one in my own life. Uh, we had our house in the market. We knew we were going to move. You know why? Because we're adding the eighth baby in the house that we lived in when we had two children. And so, and even through the whole process, what was funny this week for us, you, uh, what was funny, yeah, offerings are passing, you put the money in, that's great. But, uh, you know, even through the whole process, it was also a step of faith. And we felt to sell our house before we would actually find where we would go next because we wanted to build a house and all that. And then uh, we thought, oh, well, if we sell it because that then we could, we could take our time. We could find a rental place and then we'll stay in a rental place and then we'll build a house and then we'll move in. It turned out that you just don't move at a rental when you have seven children. Nobody wants you and there's nothing there. And so now time is clocking and we sold our house. It sold really in two weeks, you know. And our realtor is some, an anointed lady of Christ, you know. So, and, uh, um, and, you know, and God gave us what we wanted, we, you know, and a, a wonderful Christian couple that moved there. It was like they were praying to find that house. So it was just like miracle after miracle. And boy, we went through town and uh, we knew that we can't do the rental. And we can't build. And just miraculously, God provides a house. And He gives us the price we wanted for it. And it was like, it happens, all that happened within an hour. And God just provided. On both ends, we gained. You know, we weren't worried. We knew we were running out of time. But we, kept, we knew from the beginning that God will make it work together. We know when it all comes together, it will all make sense. And I tell you, in our family, it made sense because the Lord was still in control from the beginning. I know it's the same for you. I know they are passing the offering, but I want to pray over your finances too. How many are believing God for bigger things in their lives? Father, I thank you that you're Lord even over the finances. Your word says that the earth is the Lord's, its fullness thereof. And I know you see all these hands, greater things, great things, whether it's jobs, whether it's promotions that they are seeking, opportunities, maybe selling a house like we were and finding a new one. Whatever the case may be, you know everything. You are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. You own a cattle on a thousand hills. And right now I declare and speak blessing over your people. You said we shall be blessed, O God, in the country. We shall be blessed in the city. We shall be blessed in our coming in and in our going out. And so I pray blessing on your people, O God. I pray that you will open the windows of heaven on the behalf of your people. Pour out a blessing so great that they will not have room enough to contain it. We love you. We honor you with our offerings today, Lord. And bless the giver, Lord. Bless those that would hope to give and had nothing to give, Lord. That you would 
open the, the doors of heaven for them so that their heart of generosity can be exercised. We thank you and we honor you for, with our lives and with our finances. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God is good. God is good. And all the time, God is good. God bless you guys. Have a great week. God's praising God in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to shout it from every mountain top. Your goodness knows no bounds. Your goodness never stops. Sea follows me. Your love amazes me. And I sing because you are good. And I dance because you are good. And I shout because you are good. You are good to me. And I sing because you are good. Pray.